Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. Whether you are joining us online or here in the sanctuary, we welcome you. I'm Carolyn Griminger, and it's my pronouns are she and her, and it's my pleasure to be your lay leader today. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. As we search, we sometimes encounter topics or themes that may activate you emotionally. Take care of yourself and do what you need to do. Know that your church is here to care for you and that we are available to help you process anything that comes up for you. I especially want to welcome you if you are new to the church. If you are with us on the live stream, please feel free to say hi and hello in the comments and let us know from where you are viewing the service. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. It's in that tradition that I invite you to greet the holy among us, either in the comments, online, or simply by turning to those around you here in the sanctuary to greet the holy among us this morning. Good morning, first you, you. Good morning. Most grateful to your right reverends, Chris and Aaron, for this return invite, especially in light of all this season's brightness. Women's History Month, Ramadan, Passover, Easter, right. (laughs) Though there is the eternal shadow of tax season and the shade of April Fool's Day, so I suppose we'll just call it even, right? Speaking of even, Monday, March 20th was the spring equinox. In Latin, equinox translates to equal night the moment when the hours of darkness and the hours of sunlight are even. In a sense, our long-lost prodigal son has returned to resurrect all of Mother Nature's offspring from winter's cold darkness. Since the dawn of time, cultures have created sacred festivals to praise the dawning of spring, worshiping the return of the sun's rising and shining. They often told of this celestial rite of passage in stories over time, Many of the sons, S-U-N-S, became sons, S-O-N-S. Virgin-born male sun gods that had descended from a winter of death, the underworld, or the southern hemisphere, returning to rise, shine, and rule in spring's rebirth, i.e. Dionysus, Attis, Osiris, Horus, Adonis, Jesus, Mithra, etc., Stories and histories were often fused and then infused during the birth of faith traditions, several of which have their own Easter story and claim either joint or full custody of the Easter narrative. And many of the key players in those stories, women, or rather goddesses, diamonds in the flesh, their voices largely silenced, slandered, stories unheard. So... This morning will be a hearing of sorts, a trial for the rightful ownership of Easter. Each of you will be essentially members of a jury who will hear testimony from four divine feminine royals, all claiming their ancient stake in the modern holiday. There will be no formal verdict, though you all are welcome to deliberate at coffee hour, (laughs) non-judgmentally, as your spirits move you. The questions for your consideration. Who owns Easter? Can Easter be owned? 
Please note that possession is nine-tenths of Murphy's Law. (laughs) If we are to move forward, I'll need to first swear you all in. Do you care to seek your truth, your whole truth, nothing but your truth, so help you goddess? If so, please say I do. do. And this court is now in session. (laughs) The honorable spirit of life presiding. One of the things that binds Farshiyu together as a religious community is that we have a common purpose. For First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, that common purpose is the mission. The congregation wrote it together and put it on the wall in the sanctuary, and we say it every Sunday. The church participants say it together so that we can carry it with us throughout the week. Let's say it together now. Together, we nourish souls transform lives and do justice to the beloved community. I invite you to read these words together as we light our chalice this morning. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. I want to center us with some words from the Gnostic scripture, Thunder Perfect Mind, which was discovered in Nag Hammadi, Egypt, 1945, um, buried, found by some farmers who discovered it. 13 Gospels, one written in a feminine voice, divine feminine voice, attributed to the, the wisdom goddess Sophia in that tradition. So I want to center us with some words from that text entitled The Thunder Perfect Mind. For I am the wisdom of the Greeks. I am one whose image is great in Egypt. You awaiting me, take me to yourselves. I have taken no partner, and I am a midwife and the woman who does not give birth. Do not disregard me. Do not fear my power, for I am present in all fears, and I am strength in agitation. I am silence that is incomprehensible and insight whose memory is great. I am the voice whose sounds are many and the word whose appearances are many. I am the woman crying out, and I am cast upon the face of the earth. I am the utterance of my own name. In that spirit, this morning's hymn comes from the heart of Paul McCartney, from a dream he had of his mother Mary, who died of cancer when Paul was 14, in which she was comforting him during a stressful time with the phrase, it will be all right, just let it be. For many listeners, it's biblical. It's about Jesus' mother, Mary. For Paul, whatever you want to let it be about is all right. Please rise as you are able in mind, body, or spirit. Join us in singing verses 1 and 2 of Let It Be. Times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. 
I am a silence that is incomprehensible, an insight whose memory is great. I am the voice whose sounds are many and the word whose appearances are many. I am the woman crying out and I am cast upon the face of the earth. I am the utterance of my own name. I suppose I'll state my name for the court, Ostara, goddess of spring, ruler of dawn, fertility, renewal and rebirth. Although I must say, I'm a little surprised we're even having this hearing. The evidence is pretty clear. Seems like we could have just settled this out of court and saved us all some time. <laughs> Nevertheless, I am celebrated in a handful of cultures and have a handful of names in their dialects. Ostara in High German, Istra in Old English. I am the voice whose sounds are many. If you're thinking that Ostara and Istra sound and look an awful lot like Easter, well, you're right. <laughs> I am Easter. Pleased to meet you. Easter was a pagan spring festival, many moons before Christianity. Much of Europe joined in month-long festivals of feasts, celebrating the dawning of spring and the sun's return through me, the embodied equinox. Once upon a time... The entire month you know as April was Ostermontag in Germany, month of Ostara, with plenty of feasts and holy bonfires. Easter is still known as Ustern in many German circles. My totem is the rabbit, Easter bunny, if you will, who is also linked closely with fertility and with the moon. You all still celebrate Easter on the first Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and don't get me started on the eggs. Rebirth, renewal, fertility. Is this thing on? <laughs> my critics in your present time say that there is little to no written evidence of my existence until the 8th century works of Christian monk and historian St. Bede 
who likely hated bringing such a heathen figure to light. My naysayers say that history is mostly silent on me. I say, I am the silence that is incomprehensible, and the history is frequently silent on the losers of wars, particularly holy wars. Your modern linguists affirm my presence in much of your present-day earth languages and in many earthlings' names. I am insight whose memory is great. My detractors also note how many other dawn goddesses there were over the ages, i.e. Eos and Aurora, and that I am probably a patchwork hodgepodge of misappropriated myths and archetypes and popular narratives of the day. I say, I am the word whose appearances were many. Might your gods be also? The root of both Ostara and Istra translates in the Greek phrase to shine. And many of your 21st century Greeks refer to Easter as Lambros or Lambri, which translates alternately to bright, shining, or brilliant. I am the utterance of my own name. This is the time in our service where we center ourselves together. We breathe together. <laughs> Breathing together, we sense one another's loving presence. Breathing in and breathing out, we follow our breath to a deeper place inside, a place of greater wisdom, that place where a spark of the divine resides within each of us. Breathing together, we enter into a time of sacred silence together. I invite you now to light a candle if you are so moved. Candles representing sorrow, joy, hope, remembrance, resilience. As we light candles, I invite you to keep in your heart and mind members of our community who are ill, are in sorrow, and those who are celebrating joys. We invite you to hold the silence at the end of the meditative time.
For I am the wisdom of the Greeks. I am one whose image is great in Egypt. You awaiting me, take me to yourselves. Do not banish me from before your eyes. Do not let your voice be hateful toward me, nor your hearing. Do not be ignorant of me in any place at any time. I am the knowledge of my name. For the record, I am the goddess Easter. I-S-H-T-A-R. You may be tempted to call me Ishtar, particularly if you saw that godforsaken movie from your 1980s. <laughs> but I assure you, my worshipers pronounced it Easter, much like Ishmael or Israel, and almost exactly like the word Easter. I am the goddess of two things in which all is said to be fair, love and war, but also fertility, beauty, political power, sex, justice, combat, basically all the elements of what you all call Netflix originals. Interestingly enough, historians crave the buzz of highlighting the sexual parts of my archetype, and I have developed quite the reputation over time for everything from cult orgies to sacred prostitution. Sex sells, I suppose, particularly sexualized goddesses of color. Many scholars argue that I am the template for what becomes Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of beauty and love, so perhaps... I am the wisdom of the Greeks. I was technically Sumerian, what is now your southern Iraq. Though I was worshipped just as fondly throughout Mesopotamia, your Middle East, by the Akkadians, Assyrians, Egyptians, and Babylonians. And I was a queen bee, one of the most high-ranking deities in their pantheons. The essential story of my descent and rise dates back to roughly 2100 B.C., and it goes... I have a husband or son, depending on which version you're reading, named Tammuz, a sun god. He dies. He descends to the underworld. In my brokenhearted grief, I follow after him. I enter seven gates and am found guilty of hubris by seven judges, tortured, killed, and then hung up on a stake. In my absence as the fertility goddess, there is no plant or animal fertility on earth, and all life might cease if I stay which would be a royal pain. I'm missing for three days. One of my goddess friends, Enki, has the water of life delivered to me. Old school Amazon Prime. <laughs> it gets sprinkled on us. I rise and return to the earth with Tammuz as the light of the sun resurrected. As part of the plea agreement, Tammuz returns to the underworld for six months every year, autumn and winter and re-rises right around the spring equinox. The result is the cycle of seasons. Any of that sound familiar? <laughs> My Egyptian followers say I first came to Earth in a large golden egg, almost like a sun, which fell from the heavens into the Euphrates River at sunrise on the Sunday just after the equinox. That egg was hatched by doves, and out came Easter, Easter. Oh, and sometime thereafter, I came across an injured bird and turned it into an egg-laying rabbit. Tammuz was very fond of rabbits. Now, 
That could all be a coincidence. But stranger things have happened. Or at least stranger things have been written and many believe them to have happened. What makes my story a fantasy script and another one a gospel scripture? My sex? Are my miracles less miraculous because they were written on clay tablets instead of parchment? Or less royal because the miracle worker was female and dark-skinned? Do not banish me from before your eyes. Do not let your voice be hateful toward me nor your hearing. Do not be ignorant of me in any place at any time. I am the knowledge of my name. I am a midwife and a woman who does not give birth. Do not disregard me. Do not fear my power, for I am present in all fears, and I am strength in agitation. All rise, I am the goddess Shifra, a Hebrew midwife. There's a good chance you've never heard of me. There's a good chance that you have heard of Moses. And there's a very good chance that if it had not been for me, there would be no Moses. In your now, it is Passover, Pesach, as we say. Much of your current world says Pasha. The root of both words is Aramaic, the language spoken by Jesus. As I understand it, Passover is a spring festival commemorating the exodus of my people from slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh's rule. Evidently, a different postal code in Egypt than the goddess Easter. Perhaps she was in the suburbs. Nevertheless, Passover celebrates our divine deliverance into the promised land across the Red Sea, parted by Moses' staff, a return to a new home, fulfilling an old covenant. Pre-Exodus, we were royally oppressed, yet we were still being born and reborn. And Pharaoh, the Egyptian ruler, was threatened. He ordered me and another midwife, Pua, to kill all the male babies born to Jewish women or die ourselves. We feared for our lives, but we delivered the babies anyway. We found strength and agitation. We resisted. Assisting brown mothers and infants in those times of trouble, staying present in their fears. One of those infants was Moses whose mother would later send him to safety in a box down the troubled waters of the Nile River. No me, no Moses, no Moses, no Jesus, no Jesus, no Easter. A large part of your present world's Easter narrative is, well, Jewish in content and context. The Last Supper is essentially a Passover Seder, as far as I can tell complete with matzah and wine, not out of the ordinary for an observant Jew, which Jesus was, however radical and reformed. Perhaps he embodied much of what we embodied, life rising out of death, delivery, rebirth. I may not have ever given birth myself, but I gave the gift of birth to many women helping to extract those precious diamonds from their flesh. 
I was a different kind of savior, I suppose, but no less royal. Do not fear my power, for I am present in all fears, and I am strength in agitation. I am the knowledge of my name. For I am the first and the last. I am the honored and the scorned. I am the whore and the holy. I am the mother and the daughter. I am the wife and the virgin. I have had many weddings and I have taken no partner. If it please the court, I am the one called Mary, not the mother Mary, the honored one, but the other Mary, the scorned one. She is a figure who is often prayed to. I am a figure who is often prayed upon, figuratively speaking. Your historians are fond of painting a portrait of me as a first-class whore, which I wasn't. I am actually never referred to as a prostitute anywhere in the Bible. In fact... I am the only woman in the Bible prominent enough not to be mentioned in relation to another person, mother, wife, sister. I am the utterance of my own name. And yet, it took only one speech by Pope Gregory in the 6th century, where I was said to be possessed by seven devils and known to perfume my flesh in forbidden acts. That did the trick. It is perhaps as your Oscar Wilde once said, everything in the world is about sex except sex. (laughs) Sex is about power. What better way to undermine the spiritual authority of a woman who threatens the power structure than to call her a whore? What better way to seemingly exalt the spiritual authority of a woman that you need to signify the ultimate purity than to call her a virgin? In my world, I was powerful, not in spite of my sex, but in the light of it. You all still play chess, yes? Yes? In the chess world, what is the most powerful piece on the board? She has the most range, ability, visibility, and responsibility. The king is the most valuable, but perhaps also the most vulnerable. So he requires a queen just to his left, soulmate, to protect him from otherwise certain death, checkmate. And I was JC's queen bee. There's a fairly strong case to be made that I was his wife and the mother of his child, but that is another testimony for another kind of court, perhaps before your judge Judith. I am almost never seen for the apostle I was, the 13th disciple who walked most closely and intimately with Jesus, his equal partner and protector. I was the first and the last. It is fitting that I am a witness in this proceeding as I was the first that he appeared to after the resurrection, the heart of your modern Easter story, the first to proclaim his rising and offer the world his message of love, but... I was silenced, hushed by money and power. And if I was heard, I was not believed. 
I was a woman, after all. We were thought of as having soft minds and bleeding hearts, hysterical, emotional, nonsensical. The testimony I'm giving you now would have been inadmissible in the courts of my time, even though I was an eyewitness. I could certainly be legally tried, convicted, dismissed, disregarded, banished, and or vanished. But I could not so much as whisper any of these words of wisdom for the record. I'm not here to defend Easter or to claim ownership of it. It wasn't our intention to create an Easter or another religion. It was our intention to heal hearts, shine love's light and help others rise into it, to carry on that message to the world, even after the world tried to silence the messenger. Have you ever had someone close to you, someone you loved dearly, visit you shortly before or after their death, appear to you in a sleeping dream or a waking vision, as if out of nowhere, just kind of letting you know to let go, giving you a sixth sense that they were all right where they were and that they would remain very much alive in your heart eternally as long as you would have them. Perhaps they invited you to carry them forward with you to speak their words to others and live the truths you shared more fully. Perhaps they appeared to several loved ones at the same time or in a short span of time as a dream, a thought, a smell, a touch, a taste, a sight, a sound, a sense of peace and belonging, a brief equalizing touch of love's power. For me, this is the heart of Equinox, the heart of Easter. It is perhaps as your modern science's first law of thermodynamics says, the quantity of energy in the universe is constant. No energy is truly created or destroyed, it just shifts shape. Ever constant quantity, ever changing quality. So every last one of you is a sacred sound a first-class appearance of the holy, an insight of embodied wisdom rising from the incomprehensibly great memory of eternal love from which you could never be banished or disregarded, even in your darkest imaginings. We say God, which is love, is foolproof, unitary, unity, unifying, and universal. Perhaps someone could birth that faith tradition someday. Oh, wait. I am a woman crying out, and I am cast upon the face of the earth. I am your knowledge of my wisdom. You are the utterance of my name. I say, blessed be.
Please join me now in the words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth. The warmth of community are the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. I'm going to leave with some words very much in the spirit of the equinox of uh, Easter from the poet E.E. E. Cummings. I am a little church, no great cathedral, far from the squalor and splendor of hurrying. I do not worry if briefer nights grow briefest. I am not sorry when sun and rain make April. My prayers are the prayers of Earth's own clumsily losing, finding and striving and laughing and crying children whose any sadness or joy is my grief or my gladness. Around me surges a miracle of unceasing birth and glory and death and resurrection. Above my sleeping self float flaming symbols of hope, and I wake to a perfect patience of mountains. I am a little church, far from the frantic world with its rapture and anguish, at peace with nature. I do not worry if longer nights grow longest. I am not sorry when silence becomes singing. Winter by spring, I lift my diminutive spirit to merciful him whose only now is forever, standing in the deathless truth of his presence, welcoming humbly his light and proudly his darkness. Blessed be. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.com dot o r g